What are the best new words of 2023? What's KFC bringing back after nearly 10 years? Is California winning when it comes to clean energy? And have we found the origins of life itself? Get the answers to these questions and more on this episode of Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story is language news. This is from dictionary.com. The headline is Winter 2023 New Words. I, oh. <laughs> Very to the point. But like, um, Yeah, I mean, I guess dictionary.com is the one who gets to decide that, so. Yeah, so dictionary.com has released an update to their dictionary database this week, which, according to their website, includes 313 new entries. All right, let's go over all of them. All 313 of them. <laughs> Woo! No, we're not doing that. 130 new definitions added to existing entries and over 1,140 revised definitions. Okay, wow. So it's a lot of changes. For the show today, I've taken the time to pick out a few words that I wanted to share with you okay. and the listeners. So, because I thought these were fun that they were added. Are these words I'm going to have heard before? Um, some of them, maybe not. Okay. Actually, okay, at least one you've definitely heard. But All right. <laughs> but the other ones, actually, you might not, because I actually didn't know them. Okay. So I'm ready to learn. Okay. All right. The first one is pet fluencer. Oh, no. I don't like where this is can going. You, <laughs> <laughs> you probably can figure out what this is if you haven't heard this word before, but it's is a it, – do you want to guess? Is it a pet – that is an influencer, or is it an influencer that has a bunch of pets? Either. Oh. Or both. Oh, okay. So you are right on the money. You hit the nail on the head <laughs> I got there. two definitions um, of it. Yes. It's a person who gains a large following on social media by posting entertaining images or videos of their cat, dog, or other pet. And the term is also sometimes used to refer to the animal featured in such content. <laughs> so. Okay. okay. Yeah. Both those, both those things. That was good. Okay. Number two. Cakeage. This is, I had never heard of this in my okay. life. A fee charged by a restaurant for serving a cake brought in from outside. So like a corking fee, but for a cake? Exactly. <laughs> There's literally a note in here. <laughs> Often used in the phrase cakeage fee is modeled on corkage, the term for the fee charge for bringing wine to a restaurant. I don't think I've ever heard that called corkage before. Either. A corkage fee? Yeah, I've only heard corking fee. But oh, I, wait. I guess yeah, what I have I heard? Maybe, no, I, haven't to, maybe I haven't gone to a fancy enough restaurant. <laughs> I think, I don't know what I had heard, but in my mind it said this, and I was like, oh, I've heard that, but I've probably also heard corking, if that's what you've heard. I have no idea. I, like, I was like, I've heard of that for wine, but I didn't know people did that for cake. It's a thing. No, yeah. It's been added to dictionary.com. Yeah. Cakeage. Who brings a cake? Whatever. <laughs> Maybe you're having a birthday party and you yeah. just want to bring a cake. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. You're right. You're right, though. Have I done this? Not really. Hmm. Um, okay, next. Anti-fragile. I actually I actually really like this one. Okay. It's uplifting. Uh-huh. It's an adjective. It becomes... It, it, uh, it means becoming more robust when exposed to stressors, uncertainty, or risk. Hmm. So, like, 
the example that they gave was this sentence. We've made the structure sturdy and anti-fragile, so bad weather makes it stronger. Oh, so it's not even just like that it's resilient, which would just be the opposite of fragile. It becomes more resilient. Yes. Interesting. It's like becoming, yeah, like becoming even stronger and even more resilient when you under stress and stuff. So like that kind of, is it, what is it, like a non-Newtonian fluid or something where you punch it and it like reacts with the same amount of force? That's a similar, that's actually a good example. Hmm. Yeah. Anti-fragile. Anti-fragile. This term was coined by Lebanese-born U.S. mathematical statistician Nassim Nicholas Taleb in his 2012 book called Anti-Fragile. <laughs> so okay. it's been added to the dictionary. Okay. Next up, liminal space. Huh. I've, I mean, I've heard the phrase before. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize so it wasn't in the dictionary. This, it wasn't clear if it wasn't in there at all or if they just added a second definition to it. I think oh. they might have added. So then I believe the new definition is now like the, an informal definition of any location that is unsettling, uncanny, or dreamlike. Hmm. Okay. The example that they gave was a classroom when school is out for the summer, but I don't know. Huh. I mean, I kind of understood that, I guess, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was an interesting one. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Hellscape. (laughs) It's one of their words. Just says, look around you. (laughs) I think we know what that means, but um, this word has actually been in use since the late 1890s, but it wasn't in their dictionary Um, yet for whatever reason. And apparently use has massively increased in recent years. And so they added it to their dictionary. (laughs) I can't imagine (laughs) Which I was like, hmm, I wonder why. Hmm." (laughs) I can't think of a single reason. Um, Okay. And then finally, (laughs) uh, also sort of related to the pandemic, Super Dodger. Have you heard this one? Is this a person who's like managed to not get COVID so far? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is anyone who, for unverified reasons, remains uninfected or asymptomatic after repeated exposure to a contagious virus. (laughs) Super dodger. Okay. So that's officially in the dictionary now. Lucky those people. So, yeah, if you're interested in more words, like I said earlier, there's a lot of... Hundreds more to explore. There are hundreds more, literally, (laughs) more words added. Um, You can go to dictionary.com and peruse that if you'd like, but these were... The ones I wanted to share. I hope you enjoyed that list with me. Is that directed at me or the audience? I don't know. Okay. My first story this week is chicken news. This is from CNN, and the headline is, KFC is bringing back a fan favorite after a nearly 10-year hiatus. Oh, okay. FC? (laughs) Uh, So, the KFC Double Down... You know it, you love it, you remember yes! it. It's coming back for a limited time as of March 6th. Have you had the, the Double Down before? No, I just oh. know what it is. Okay, <laughs> you're just excited because you recognize it. Yeah, like I, a, I'm excited because I recognize it. It's I an old have friend not actually had back. one. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, but they said the instantly recognizable creation, as demonstrated by you, uh, replaces the bread <laughs> that is found in a typical sandwich and uses two fried chicken fillets as the bun. Um, and between those are two slices of cheese, bacon, and a choice of mayo or spicy sauce. Um, so it's not a very substantial sandwich itself. The The star there is that it's between two it's between pieces two. of chicken. Um, so the Double Down made its debut in 2010 and sold more than 10 million sandwiches. 
Um, and they brought it back briefly in 2014 um, before it completely disappeared. Um, but KFC says that fans have been, quote, clamoring for the return of the sandwich. So the chain is, quote, answering the call. <laughs> <laughs> okay, KFC. Um, by bringing it back. Uh, and then uh, they said, so this is coming March 6th. In addition to the Double Down, they're also going to be adding a more traditional bacon and cheese chicken sandwich that uses a brioche bun, like a normal oh. sandwich. Um, okay. So I guess they just didn't have that before, and now they will, which is how new products work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm kind of laughing a little bit because I'm thinking – I. <laughs> Maybe they just they wanted to do the brioche bun sandwich, and then they're like, "This isn't super exciting by itself. What if we yeah. like everyone also else has already the, done this? Yeah, yeah. What, what if we also brought back the double down to make people come to our restaurant? Yep. And then on the side, also just mentioned like, oh, by the way, we have a brioche bun. Also, sandwich. we also have a chicken, <laughs> a regular chicken sandwich. If you don't want to be weird about it, <laughs> uh, yeah. This, I, I, I don't know if I will get it. I, I'm not a frequent KFC patron. Um, the one that I used to most commonly go to was a combination KFC Taco Bell, and I would get the Taco Bell side. Ah. And now I just go to a Taco Bell. So. <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah. Fast I'm, food. <laughs> well, I want Taco Bell. Did you ever have the naked chicken chalupa from Taco Bell? No. That was the one where they used a ta- a, like chicken as the shell of a taco. So it's the Taco Bell equivalent of this, basically. But I actually had that one, okay. and it was really good. It was really good. It was okay. really good. So, I don't know. Maybe this is also really good. Maybe we should try this. Maybe we should try it. Maybe we should double down. What if next week we got a double down and shamrock shakes? <laughs> then that would be the last episode of this, <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> and, then, and that was our food that was for our the week. Food. That was just our food for the whole week. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to say our series finale. No. <laughs> no. It's just uh, just the worst two foods for you. <laughs> I had a share mark shake earlier today, so. I know. Yeah. I want I sent one you, now. I sent you a picture of it. Anthony sent me a picture of a shamrock shake today <laughs> because it was March 1st and it was appropriate that he got a shamrock shake. And yeah. then I was just jealous because I wanted one and I didn't have one. And now I've been craving one ever since that happened. So And you should because it was delicious. I will probably get one before um, the week is over. Before the week is out, I shall have a shamrock shake. (laughs) Okay, my next story is solar panel news. This is from Gizmodo, and the headline is, Solar panels over California's canals could save water while at the same time making clean energy. Have we ever talked about this idea before of putting solar panels over water canals on the show? Because apparently it's been around. I don't think so. I didn't think we did either. I just wanted to check I if you like remembered. Because I feel like we've talked about maybe like solar panel roads before. Mm, okay. But I don't think the canals have come up. I didn't think so either, but I wanted to ask you because I was like, I couldn't find, I don't think we talked about this. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about it today. So first of all, some background on this story. Uh, apparently, I found out this week that Gizmodo has started an annual contest they are calling their science fair where they award prizes to top innovators every year. Hmm. Um, and so they just actually released their first annual science fair winners list this week. Um, and so this is just one of those. 
that I wanted to talk about. And some of the winners are things that we've actually talked about on the show before, like oh. the James Webb Space Telescope team was sure. one of them. Yeah. And then they also mentioned the NASA DART team that crashed the spacecraft into the asteroid. On that purpose. was one of the other examples. So there's like, yeah, like so some things we hadn't talked about, but some of them we had. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's just kind of, yeah, cool things in science that have happened okay. over the past like a couple years. Um, so we should look out for that in the future. Yeah, that keep, sounds... That's, that sounds like a news source. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this story is about clean energy ideas. A company called Solar Aqua Grid, along with the University of California Merced, Turlock Irrigation District, and the California Department of Water Resources are all winners of the 2023 Gizmodo Science Fair for innovating a way to combine clean energy production with water conservation. Yay. Congrats. Woo! Um, so actually back in 2021, researchers from the University of California Merced and Santa Cruz released the results of a study commissioned by Solar Aqua Grid, um, finding that covering all of California's 4,000 miles of irrigation canals with solar panels could save up to 63 billion gallons of water every year, which is enough water for like 2 million people, That's according to this good. article. Um, while also at the same time generating a massive influx of renewable energy. Right. So <laughs> a um, now a local water utility company is working with this group um, on two different pilot sites um, as a proof of concept. So it's actually like going to be under construction. So according to this article, this was the first group to perform a, quote, a rigorous study doing a techno-economic and engineering analysis of this type of idea which enabled them to understand whether the idea was practical and worth pursuing. So this idea had been proposed in the past, but basically no one had actually like done all the math to actually figure out, like, is this actually practical? Could this actually work? Mm -hmm. um, and no one had volunteered to test it out. Until now. <laughs> I had to. My favorite phrase in <laughs> any science news. <laughs> so the two project sites I mentioned earlier are currently under construction and will come online next year. And they're anticipating that they will provide around five megawatts of power, and they will also like serve as a proof of concept for this idea, and hopefully it works well, and they're just going to keep going with it and keep constructing these. Makes a lot of sense. I know. It's like, what else is that space being used for? Like, right. It's, not, it's the, not taking up extra space. It's just that's already there. And yeah. Here's the, yeah, that's like already space you can't build anything on, so right. might as well put some solar panels on it and... I don't know. I think that should be our approach to everything, though. It's just like, if we can't put some there, put some solar panels there. I know, <laughs> like, right? It makes so much sense. It all gets sun. Yeah. <laughs> right. Unless it's a cave. But, <laughs> but the top, outside of the cave, on top. On top of the that cave. Gets sun. The cave top. The cave top, if you will. <laughs> um, they also mentioned, I, um, I didn't write this in my notes, but they mentioned in the article that there's another plus to this, too, where it, it will, like, inhibit like certain types of growth like in the canals that they don't want like sense. algae and yeah, stuff like, like that blooms and stuff yeah yeah that's kind so, of, yeah it seems it makes a lot just of sense like when good you think stuff about all it. around it's like it wouldn't probably make a lot of sense to just like build a shield but building a shield that's also solar panels dual purpose yep yeah so i thought that was very much deserving of a Science Fair Award from Gizmodo yay yay they did it congratulations they didn't even know they were trying to win this award <laughs> My next story is life news. This is also from Gizmodo. 
and the headline is samples from asteroids suggest space rocks brought ingredients for life to earth oh so interesting yeah. <laughs> so scientists have confirmed that organic molecules exist in samples taken from the asteroid ryugu um which we've definitely talked about on at least one or two occasions that sounds really familiar um so this adds credence to the idea that the ingredients for life came to Earth via meteorite and asteroid impact. Uh, they said Ryugu is a primitive carbonaceous asteroid, a rocky remnant from the formation of the solar system over 4 billion years ago. Uh, and Japan's Hayabusa 2 mission uh, visited Ryugu and collected samples from its surface in 2019, providing us with a great way of learning what the solar system was like in its early stages. Uh, yeah, so they said the uh, the team of researchers has now identified hundreds of thousands of ion signals from the Ryugu samples, which they attribute to numerous organic molecules, including 15 amino acids, uh, amine, amines, uh, I should have looked up pronunciation here, uh, aromatic car- hydrocarbons, and other compounds. Uh, and the research was pub- published in Science. The journal, <laughs> not the field. <laughs> Obviously, it was also published in the field of science. But it's capital S science. Uh, A lingering question in biochemistry is how the building blocks for life, such as amino acids, arrived on Earth. Organic molecules like amino acids and nucleotides have been found before in meteorites that fell to Earth, but those have obviously been contaminated by the terrestrial environments in which they had landed, so we couldn't say for sure that it was from the meteorite and had it just... Gotcha. Hopped on board, I guess. Hopped on board. (laughs) You know how amino acids are always hopping on board? They're just hopping along. (laughs) The the Japanese Space Agency's uh, Hayabusa 2 uh, obtained clumps of dust, pebbles, and gas from the Ryugu asteroid in 2019 uh, when it was about 200 million miles away from Earth. So no risk of uh, terrestrial contamination there. Um, And then NASA's OSIRIS-REx mission is currently on its way back from the asteroid Bennu, which we've also definitely talked about in other stories. where it also was conducting a similar sampling operation. Uh, And these researchers that did this study plan to do a direct comparison of the samples that they found with the sample from Bennu uh, when NASA's mission returns to Earth this year. So they want to see, like, is this other one, like, made of similar stuff? And, like, is this, like, basically another data point for um, confirming that these kind of uh, compounds and such can... Uh, could have come in on asteroids, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, comparing the comparing the two will reveal similarities and differences, and help them fill in the gaps of our understanding about the formation of the solar system and life itself, potentially. Wow! Yeah, so this could be where everything started was on an asteroid. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's all the building blocks you need. Yeah. You had the building blocks plus a ton of time equals life. Yeah. I assume. I don't know. I wasn't there. That's the answer. (laughs) We weren't there. We were there. (laughs) All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. If you want to share a story with us about the origins of life or anything else, you can send us an email at knickknacknews at gmail.com. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.